great future. We're talking real money. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Friday. Yes, the stupid war in Ukraine continues, and that's not a political comment. I don't think there's anybody out there at any point along the political spectrum who actually thinks this is a good war, unless your last name is Putin. Or maybe you're working for someone whose last name is Putin. Otherwise, it's just dumb. But it's what happens. I don't mean that to sound trite, but it is what happens. There are times, if you've studied your history, you know there are times when we have consistently bad stuff over a period of time. We got COVID and a little war. hundred and some odd years ago, we had a big war and a pandemic. You just have to live through it. But the reality, what that hundred plus year history needs to show you is that investing works. Investing always works if you give it time. And that's why we keep saying it's so important that you make sure your investment portfolio is the right one for you. It isn't something you change regularly. It should only be touched once a year or so, and it needs to be based on sound thinking, reason, logic, understanding yourself and your needs. So, yes, the markets, at least as of my speaking, at about 4 p.m. Eastern time on Friday, the 4th of March, at this very moment, global markets are down a lot. My portfolio, too, is down. But you know what's interesting about it is that from where I got in, I'm still okay. And for from where I was just a few months ago, my losses are still not that extreme because a portion of my portfolio is in those dull, boring bonds. They have dampened my volatility. Still suffered a loss, but am I going to worry about it? Not a bit. As a matter of fact, I wish I had a little extra money coming in. Well, I do. It's going into my 401k, so I've got money that is being invested, and it's being invested at better prices, so I'm happy. I'm not panicking. You shouldn't either. But you should send us questions because this is Q&A Friday, and you can call anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Whenever the Spirit moves you, you can call with your questions at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, or you can type them in or speak them in at TalkingRealMoney.com. That's on the contact form. Just hit contact. Today, let me check my list. Hold on. What did I do with it? Oh, where did I hide my list? Oh, it's over here. It's on the wrong side of the desk. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Look at my list of things. I think today we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven calls, but we're going to pretty much be caught up. We're going to be caught up with every call or question, I believe. And if yours got missed, it could have gotten lost in the, in the shuffle somewhere along the way. If yours got missed, just get back in the queue. Um, but, uh, I think we have, we'll be about caught up to yesterday, which is pretty good. So thanks for listening. Glad you could be a part of the podcast. Let's get this show on the road. Our first question comes in from our phone line, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Hey, Don and Tom. Uh, my name is Charles. I'm from the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. Um, I've got a, uh, a friend, a woman friend, who's about uh, 67. She's got a number of health issues. She's, her only income is Social Security. 
she, I guess, sold her home about a year or two ago. She's got the only money she has uh, is about $150,000. It's currently in a savings account. Uh, she's asking for some financial advice. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm qualified to give that to her. I'm trying to find out if uh, fiduciaries could help somebody in uh, in this situation who doesn't have a lot of money to spare at all, or uh, should I just advise her to maybe invest in uh, you know like a Vanguard total bond market or something? Uh, appreciate any uh, any kind of uh, advice you could give. Thanks a lot. Don't take offense. But you're probably right. This is not an area in which you have enough expertise to really give her good advice, the right kind of advice. And this is also a scenario in which I don't have enough information to even begin to give her advice. Because it comes down to some really important factors. One, what does she need from this $150,000? If she's living only on Social Security, my guess would be She's going to need to derive some income from that, but it's not going to be a lot. But when you're on Social Security, anything helps. So that's my guess. But then we get into the question of how much can she stand seeing it go down? She can't just send her to Vanguard because anything you go into at Vanguard except their money market fund has the ability, the potential, the likelihood of at some point going down a little bit and scaring the living daylights out of people. Now, you asked if she needs a fiduciary advisor. You're going to find that almost no advisors are going to manage her money, or very few, and it's going to be ridiculously expensive at 150 grand. This is why, many years ago, because Tom and I have been doing radio and shows and podcasts forever, we know there are a lot of people out there who desperately need help who are at this level and can't afford to hire a fiduciary, which is why we've tried to make ours available. Because our advisors at Vestry by Appella can actually, and will, actually spend a little time with somebody asking the right questions and then giving them some general help on where they might go. We'll, we can't manage your portfolio, but we will help her find better places, and then you can help her implement the plan you might even ask if it's all right with her if you join in uh in the meeting these these meetings can can be held by phone or or on zoom and then then you can help her implement this and understand what what she's dealing with but it really is going to require a q a a probing process and again the promise is we're not going to try and sell anybody anything. There's no charge for a little bit of time with one of our advisors. We want to help everybody. So just uh, you or her, uh, her preferably, go to vestory.com or do it together, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Scroll way down to the bottom of the page and set up an appointment. It's just that easy. They'll you Tell them when you want to meet, and then somebody will meet with you. And they'll get in touch with you right away. And uh, it it's going to be helpful. And by the way, we're not doing this totally altruistically. We believe, and we've got over a decade of experience to prove it, we believe that when you help everybody, you help yourself. Because it's, it's <laughs> I hate to use the term because it's kind of trite, but it's karma. Plus, it's also word of mouth. People who get help know somebody else. They can say, "Hey, you, you know, you got you've got the money. 
you just need the help, go to Vestory by Appella at Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Thanks for the call, Charles. I really appreciate it. And let's take another one that came in at 855-935-TALK. Hey, I was listening to your podcast the other day, and you were talking about the IBTV fund, which is a collection of treasury securities that mature during 2022. Now, if you buy that mid-cycle, and the value of the shares has already declined due to interest rate rises, then when you sell it at maturity, you have two kinds of gains. You have capital gains because the value of your shares rose, and you have interest gains because of the interest that was credited. Does the tax code treat your capital gain there like other capital gains and give it preferential treatment? I never imagined. <laughs> Somebody brought up these I-bond ETFs from iShares a few weeks ago. I never imagined the floodgates that would swing wide open, inundating me with both questions and critiques. Okay, let me just say that even the mention of IBTB, which is the 2022 version of the iShares Treasury ETF that will expire, will get paid off, will be done at the end of 2022. Uh, very little income will still be paid out for the remainder of 2022. There, there will be some sort of a taxable capital event. Don't know how big it will be. Probably not very big at all because they're very short-term bonds. But the value of even the shortest-term bonds fluctuates. So if you bought in at mid-year and you take it out at maturity, it could be worth more or less. And because it's less than a year, you would be paying taxes on both the income and the short-term capital gain at your income rate. So, and then I got another call. The quality was horrible. Could not put it on from somebody saying, well, you know, these things can fluctuate in the interim. Yep, I get it. Uh, and that some of the money as the, the some of the shorter bonds comes due gets reinvested in money market. The yield will not be as high over the year as will the yield for an actual treasury bond purchased over that time. Got it. We can quibble about details all over the place. Even the mention of IBTB, the 2022 maturity, was a mistake on my part. And for that, I apologize. If you're going to use these things, which I think they're, they're, they're powerful tools. If you're going to use them, you want to create a ladder with them. And you don't want the ladder to start today or to mature this year. You want the ladder to mature somewhere down the future because the near-term part of your portfolio should be your emergency money. That should be your one or two years worth of expenses when you get into retirement that'll tide you over should the market fluctuate all over the place, the money that's not going to make anything anyway. So if you're going to use it, one, it has to be a ladder. Two, you must, must, must have some discipline to make sure you keep the ladder going. Ladders don't work if you try to market time them. So these iBond products have a place. If you want sheer simplicity, buy a short intermediate term bond fund, then you don't have to mess with it. Yes, they will fluctuate. Yes, the interest rates will uh, will cause it to move one way or another. Your interest rate, though, will change. If rates go up, your interest rate will go up while the bond values go down. So 
Now it is time for us to take a question that came in via the website, talkingrealmoney.com slash contact. Hey, Don and Tom. This is Beginning Investor Mark, and I tell anyone who will listen to me how much I love this podcast. I have a simple question regarding the Fidelity refund I have set at 10% of my portfolio. I currently hold FREL, but you mentioned AVRE recently. The difference in expense ratios is negligible, but it seems FREL is all U.S. How do I decide? It's an excellent question, and thank you for the very nice comments at the beginning of your question. Uh, Fidelity Real Estate versus uh, Avantis. You, you really have hit the difference between the two. The primary difference between the two is that the Avantis Real Estate ETF is global. The Fidelity is U.S., I feel better, and I used to be. I used to be a little more provincial, and I, I, I really realized I was hypocritical. If I'm being provincial about real estate, why shouldn't I be provincial about stocks? And we don't believe you should. We don't believe you should have a U.S. centric investing bias, because there is a very powerful global economy out there, and a very robust global economy into which we can all invest, and from which we can all profit. So the AVRE is going to give you quite a few more real estate investment trusts in the portfolio, a lot more diversification for, I think, what is it, 0.8 for Fidelity to 0.17 for Avantis. And that reflects the higher cost of doing business overseas. I don't think it's going to make a gigantic enormous difference. As a matter of fact, over the past year, the Avantis hasn't been around as long, but over the past year, they performed almost identically. So six one way, half a dozen the other. I'm leaning though toward global because I like that additional diversification. There have been so many times in history where global diversification has really bailed you out over extended timeframes. Don't look at the short term. Yeah, things kind of move at the same time short term. But when you extend that horizon out, then you start seeing where the slight non-correlation comes in. Thank you very much for the for the call. The question was actually sent in at TalkingRealMoney.com. And here is another one that came in that way. Hello, both of you. How are you? I love your show, and I listen religiously. I have a question on a fixed annuity. I have... A whole bunch of CDs coming due um, that I had three years ago and the rates to new are atrocious. I have a hundred thousand dollars that I can don't need for a minimum of five to ten years or more. And I was offered a fixed annuity for three to five years. Aside from the horrendous surrender charge, which I won't have to worry about. Are there any other drawbacks to just locking in 100000 on an annuity um, for three to five years? I have my money's diversified in equities, a whole bunch of large, mid, small caps, value, international bond funds, and other CDs. So I'd love to hear your opinion because I really respect both of you. And... Um, to know if there's any other drawbacks to getting a fixed annuity that I will need to touch. Thank you so much. Well, it sounds to me like you have a pretty well-diversified portfolio, 
outside of these CDs that are coming due and this hundred grand that you want to put away for five to ten years. Here's what it boils down to. How much risk are you willing to accept for that portfolio? Fixed annuities are sold as riskless. They're always sold as riskless. But I don't believe any product provided by a private company, a private for-profit company, should have the same label as a U.S. government-backed security. FDIC insurance, treasury notes, that kinds of that kind of thing. I don't think insurance companies are that safe by comparison. As a matter of fact, we have seen insurance companies default and extend their annuity payouts and really cause their investors to suffer. So they're not risk-free. They are low risk. Yes, they are low risk. Um, but... You know, one thing that's really that's very telling about these. You said that had a horrendous surrender fee. That surrender fee is pretty darn close to the amount of money that the person selling this to you is going to collect from you, which tells you that there's a lot of money being made somewhere along the way. And remember that when they pay you whatever they pay you, the insurance company is trying to make twice that much with the money, if not more. And to do that, they have to take risks, and those risks could come back and bite them because even as expert as they believe themselves to be, even experts make dumb mistakes. So they're not – a CD and a fixed annuity are not, absolutely not comparably risky. And this is a simple rule of thumb. I wish all of you would really heed this. The higher the return – the higher the risk, no matter what somebody tells you. There is no such thing as a high return with no risk. Whatever the safe money rate is, 2%, for example, on some treasuries, that's about the best you can expect with no risk, except for inflation risk. Uh, That's about it. Thank you so much for your uh, question. Ha, 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 ha. All right. Now let's take another one. Again, this one came in from TalkingRealMoney.com. Hey, guys. I'm a regular listener to your podcast, uh, and I've heard you talk about adding small cap value into your portfolio. Um, And I heard you specifically talking about uh, an iShares one, S-V-A-L. And I was kind of curious how that compares to, like, say, the Morningstar. It's another iShares, Morningstar Small Cap Value ETF. Uh, that's ISCV. Um, the big difference, honestly, there's a couple. One, that one's only six basis points, and I understand that SVAL is only 20 basis points, so they're both very cheap. But uh, the SVAL only has 232 holdings, whereas the ISCV has, looks like, over 1,200 holdings. So I was just trying to figure out what the difference is, just because that one has more holdings and it, it's even a little cheaper. I thought. Is that a better choice? I mean, and I'm talking about keeping it in there for, you know, 20, 30 years without touching it. So just curious about your thoughts on that. I appreciate it. Well, I honestly don't recall the context in which SVAL was discussed, but SVAL is a very, very different fund. <laughs> okay, shouldn't say very, very different fund. We're really, when we're getting into small cap value, we're, we're, we're only quibbling over small differences. The Morningstar is a broader small cap value fund. It has 
an extended universe of stocks that fit in its portfolio, whereas the SVAL, the Small Cap Value Factor Fund, has a much smaller universe of stocks from which they choose. The difference between the two is the SVAL is much smaller companies. They are less liquid, they are smaller, and they are more dangerous. Therefore, the potential returns should be higher. And that's the theory of these various factors. So it's just a it's a it's a smaller, small, more valuey value, scarier fund for that little tiny smidgen of your portfolio or that little tiny extra smidgen of your portfolio that we believe should be devoted to small value. Honestly, we're not going to quibble about any of these. I don't use SVAL. I think I use, I'd have to look, but I, I think I use the Adv the Avantis small cap value. I don't remember, but I use a small cap value fund, but it wouldn't matter really that much which one, because the differences in the long run, they're going to be pretty small. So just be happy with a good small cap, low cost value fund. Yeah, the SVAL is more expensive because of the lower liquidity of the stocks in which they invest. They're going to be spending more, paying higher costs. Now, that same listener had a follow-up question, so here's that. I was concentrating on uh, small cap value funds, and I was only looking at U.S., so I was wondering if you had an international fund that maybe you would recommend. Uh, one I looked up was ISVL, 30 basis points. I'm uh, not sure what you think about that or if there's other ones that you like, but that was just uh, something I wanted to get your opinion on as well. Thanks again. Well, there are fewer international small cap value funds. Um, what would uh, Probably my, my, my first choice, just right off the top of my head, would be the Avantis International Small Cap Value, which is AVDV. That one's going to be a little bit more expensive because it's international and it's small and it's value at about 36 basis points, but it's, uh, it's got a reasonably well-diversified portfolio, reasonably well, that's an understatement. It's got a very well-diversified portfolio of international small cap stocks, almost 1,300 of them. So you've got good diversification. It's a little less small than the funds we were talking about. It's like small to mid-range and not as much as a, of a value tilt as the U.S. funds, but uh, it would be a decent, I think, a decent addition to a portfolio, sure. If you're really building that full-fledged, global, small value portfolio, yeah, good luck. Thanks. And now we're going to go to our last question for the day. We're caught up to like two days ago or yesterday or something. And here's the last one. Hey, Tom and Don, this is Willie once again, longtime listener, and you've been great to answer my questions in the past. No question today, but I just wanted to offer a comment that was brought up yesterday during yesterday's uh, Wordle call-in guy. Uh, he mentioned Paul Merriman's 14 fund portfolio. I just want to bring up to everyone's attention, those that follow your work and Paul's work, that he just recently released a new video with a new set of charts with a uh, Daryl Balls and Chris Pedersen, and he does have other portfolios that are less than 14 funds. He has a two-fund portfolio, which is an all-value, and then he has great four-fund portfolios that are U.S.-only, worldwide, and all-value. So I encourage everyone to go check those out. Um, they offer just as good returns as his ultimate buy and hold, and of course, they are much more simpler. Thank you. 
The proceeding was not a paid advertisement for the Merriman Education Foundation. <laughs> yeah, Paul has lots of different funds. We've said he has he has two funds, you know, four funds, six funds, a dollar. You know, I he has so many. He has a lot. Paul is, yeah. We love Paul. Paul is data-driven. Paul has a lot of options for you to choose from. Lots of great information, lots of free books, and we're not getting paid a penny for plugging Paul. Just we like Paul. Paul has worked with um, Tom and me for many, 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 many years. Such a long time. So thanks for that. That was an easy last question because it wasn't even a question. Now... We're almost to the weekend, so a couple of favors. Over the weekend, here's your homework. One, tell one person. Okay, no, tell two. We want the multiplier effect. Tell two people about the podcast. Tell them they should be listening to the Talking Real Money podcast. Or if you put it on social media, that counts for two. Counts for eight. Uh, If you want to talk with Tom and me live, you can do that on Saturday between 3 and 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific at the same phone number, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-TALK. We do a live show in Seattle, Washington that turns into the next week podcast. So do that. If you really, 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 really love us, leave a review at Apple Podcasts or rate us over at Spotify. And finally, if you or someone you love, if you or someone you love needs some actual help with their money and you don't really think you need an advisor full-time you just want somebody to look at that portfolio and go what in the world am i doing what is this costing what should i be doing well set up an appointment with one of our advisors at vestry.com it's painless it's free there's no obligation and no no high pressure sales pitch to become a client none whatsoever it will be a very comfortable pleasant experience Who knows? You might even get to talk to Tom, meet with Tom and another advisor. So thanks for being there. Please, please, please spread the word. Take great care of yourselves. And uh, we'll be talking again really soon because we're here all the time, hanging out one place or another, spending a whole lot of time researching, reading about, and then when all is said and done, talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. As you keep the lawyers happy.